Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? Hello, and welcome to Point of Departure. My name is Michelle Janae with Old Soul Archaeology. On today's Point of Departure, we are going to use the words emergent voice as our jumping off point for this journey. And I'm not even sure how I landed on these two words. Of course, I've been on an inner journey for the last few years that has been quite gratifying and oftentimes unnerving, a little bit scary, but still gratifying in the sense that I seem to be finding my own emergent voice, my own inner self, even my higher self. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. In my newsletter this week, I quoted Lisa Bray, She's the author of a fictional book called The Sweet Far Thing. Now, I haven't read the book yet, but I believe I happened on the quote in Goodreads um, in their quote section, and it's a conversation. Someone asks, do you ever feel that way? And the other person replies, lonely? And it goes back to the first person. I search for the words, restless as if you haven't really met yourself yet, as if you'd passed yourself once in the fog and your heart leapt. Ah, there I am. I've been missing that piece. But it happens too fast, and then that part of you disappears into the fog again, and you spend the rest of your days looking for it. Again, that's from Lisa Bray, The Sweet Far Thing, and and in and of itself, those few phrases embody a truth that many of us experience, this feeling of having met ourselves before or knowing our essence, in a sense, but having it have disappeared into a fog. And I like to refer to the fog as social conditioning because when we are children, I believe we are closer to that essence a lot closer than we are as than when we grow up. When I was a little girl, I loved to sing. And singing was probably the one way that I felt I could use my voice freely. And it didn't matter the lyrics I was singing. It didn't matter that they weren't my words. It was the expression of emotion and singing. I was a soprano. I loved to sing vibrato until one of my siblings made a a comment that I took to um I took too personally I guess um apparently he thought the vibrato was silly and so I never did it again and to this day I haven't been able to recuperate my vibrato there have been other losses of my voice since then including a near strangulation when I was a new mother and an intruder broke into my home. But interestingly enough, that first loss of voice when I was little was tragic enough. That loss of voice where I thought I had to say certain things, do certain things, and sometimes not even say anything because, you know, it's better to be seen and not heard. It was better for me to do that than to face the ire of a parental. And so I lost my voice. And I would sing, I would still sing, and that was the one place I think that I could 
experience that expression without censorship. But still, it was somebody else's lyrics, somebody else's music, and I wasn't able to pursue it throughout my lifetime the way I thought I might be able to. I had imagined possibly some type of professional career, but of course that wasn't the safe, secure job. That wasn't really what you go to school for. You go to school to become a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or a teacher, and I did want to be a teacher, but something happened and I didn't end up finishing college. And I sometimes wonder if it wasn't a mixture of all of these things that affected my psyche that soon, what would you call it, um, invaded that dream as well for me. But still, that essence of who I was, it's like I know that essence and maybe it's disappeared into the fog. And so it's this emergent voice that is coming back, this finding of myself that is so wonderfully beautiful. Again, unnerving, <laughs> but beautiful. Magnificent, act, actually. There's a quote by Rabindranath Tagore. Forgive me if I totally messed his name up. But the quote is, I am absolutely unique. I am I. I am incomparable. The whole weight of the universe cannot crush out this individuality of mine. That's a powerful quote because... There's this paradox, but the first paradox we want to talk about is how we are actually individuals and we are also one. I truly believe that we are all one. We are one with source. We are one with the earth. We are part of this massive divine energy in individual form. Just like a tree is connected to every other tree, is connected to the plants, is, everything's connected. And I am one with the tree. But Mostly I am one with Source, the Creator God who has manifested beings and plants and rocks and all things sacred for divine pleasure, I guess you could say. And I won't get into some of the other questions about what that means with sin and evil on our earth at this point, but the paradox being the fact that we are marvelously individual and that we do have an emergent voice that is uniquely our own, and it comes from our source. It's a gift that often goes unopened because of social conditioning, because of fear, because of status quo, all of these things. So um, that quote is, is pretty powerful. I am absolutely unique. I am I. I am incomparable. The whole weight of the universe cannot crush out this individuality of mine. There's another story that Patricia Spadaro tells in her book, Honor Yourself, which is a lovely book of paradoxes and receiving in order to be able to give that oft-forgotten notion of receiving. But this story says, A Zen student once said to his teacher, Brilliancy of the Buddha illuminates the whole world. Even before he had finished the phrase, his teacher said, You are reciting a poem by someone else, aren't you? Yes, replied the student. Then, said his teacher, you are sidetracked. The emergent voice is the voice that gets us back on track. It's the voice that allows us to listen to ourselves and express our own thoughts and ideas and not quote everyone else. And it's important to be able to form our own thoughts that's one of the reasons why I have finally started keeping a journal after all of these years. I'm not sure I knew how to have an absolutely original thought, even though 
often our original thoughts are syntheses of other people's thoughts, but they also have to go through this process of filter and come out through the emergent voice to become our own. It's something that happens in art all the time. We may learn from the masters, but in essence, we hopefully find our own flair, our own flavor of art that is uniquely our own. I would hate to be called a, an imitator of Picasso or of Renoir, but still there might be much I'd have to learn from these two and many other artists while, in essence, finding my own artistic style. So what is the emergent voice? This is the true, authentic voice within. It is always in discovery and remembering. It isn't afraid of change within, as it considers change a factor of growth and evolution. What this means is that it's quite all right to change your mind. I know someone has been having some difficulty because she has a, a particular family relationship that is difficult because it's not acceptable for her to change her mind even though this other person might change their mind because they can only see from their own eyes and it's unfortunate but as as one who has recognized an emergent voice we must be able to be comfortable with changing our mind and standing on the value of our current beliefs even in the face of this opposition the emergent voice becomes stronger as we embrace our own hero's journey, no longer limiting ourselves to traditional roles or social and personal expectations that don't honor our authentic self. Now, it's interesting that we talk about social expectations all the time, but over time, we adopt them and they become personal expectations. They become something that, in a sense, we embody. And then when we, when we encounter what might be our emergent voice or some inner wisdom, it can be hard to accept because this social and personal expectation is so embedded in our way of thinking that it takes a little bit of chiseling to work it out. But the emergent voice is a voice of growth. This is the voice that challenges old beliefs. It challenges the status quo. And that doesn't mean it throws out the baby with the bathwater, but it does mean that they're willing to think through things. They have an open mind where they will consider and contemplate issues and subjects and they'll try to see things from their own point of view and from others' point of view and they might even play the devil's advocate with others and with themselves in order to expand their way of thinking. This emergent voice lets go of dualistic right and wrong and either-or type thinking. They resist social conditioning for the sake of social conditioning. Certainly they resist social conditioning for the sake of their own voice. So how does this emergent voice show up? It often shows up in subtle ways. It's what I like to call the whisper that becomes a roar. Sometimes we can't even hear the roar, much less the whisper because we're so busy. It seems there is a conspiracy against us these days with all of the demands on our attention. The next big TV show, the Oscars, the job, and the promotion, and the kids, and the 
sports events and the extracurricular activities, the significant other and the house cleaning and the cooking and the paying of bills and the fact that when you walk into a bathroom, you're not sure if you're going to have to put on your thinking cap to figure out whether or not the faucet is going to come on when you put your hands underneath it or if you actually have to turn a knob or push a lever. Our thinking has become so incredibly drawn thin that we rarely have the time to think for ourselves, to do the inner work. We rarely take the time because indeed we can make the time. We can give up the TV. We can get up half an hour earlier. We can skip the social luncheon. We can do a lot of things for ourselves in order to meet this emergent voice, even if it means going into the fog. So yes, this emergent voice is the one still lost somewhat in the fog and sometimes doesn't know or recognize itself yet. But it might be recognized as a discomfort with the status quo, a discomfort with the way things are. We've often heard as of late the phrase, it is what it is. That is a phrase that the emergent voice bristles at because it isn't always what it is. In fact, things are rarely as they appear. The emergent voice might appear in your very own art, in your music, in a tattoo that you've decided to get at age 45 after pretty much being against tattoos your whole life. <laughs> yep, that's me. I started with an ankle tattoo, just two ravens and a rune uh, symbol on my ankle, and then I joined it with a ring of runes to make it look like an anklet. And then the next tattoo I decided to get was a full sleeve. So I have a full mountain scene on my lower right arm that moves up into a galaxy complete with aurora borealis in the shape of a wolf into a beautiful little um, cosmic whirl on the top of my shoulder. This is how the emergent voice sometimes shows up for us. The emergent voice is on a quest for truth, but a quest for a personal truth, not the truth that's dictated to us in this book or that. In fact, our personal truth might be a combination of this book and that, and another, and another. The emergent voice is on a quest for an experienced truth and known and embodied truth that isn't manipulated or coerced. It is a voice that is owned by no one. It is a voice that rings true and resonates with its instrument. This instrument, my friend, is you. This instrument is me. And my authentic voice, my emergent voice, resonates with me. And when I am speaking from my true voice, there may be discord externally, but there is a lot less discord internally. In fact, many times we make ourselves sick because we're not using our authentic emergent voice. I kind of got the image that the emergent voice was a little bit like a waterfall falling from above that lands in a natural spring where there's also water emerging from deep below the earth. It's a synthesis, maybe of the external and the internal. So that doesn't mean that everything we hear outside of ourselves isn't true or isn't valuable. 
much of it, much, much, much of it is. But it must be taken into contemplation within us. And contemplation basically means to take into the temple. And in many religious traditions, or spiritual traditions if you prefer, the temple is the body. And so in an act of meditation, we might sit with something, contemplating, taking it into the temple, taking it into a sacred space, and giving it time and consideration to determine how it relates to our truth. So we have this external waterfall and this internal spring, but we also have this higher input, which we might think of the waterfall as coming from above, and this worldly input, which is our experiential nature here on Earth. There's a theory that there is no suggestion except auto-suggestion. Anything we do, we have to convince ourselves of. Unfortunately, a lot of the times we're convincing ourselves through fear, through negative motivation. And so when we choose to do something, when we finally follow the advice of so-and-so or, or what's-his-name, it's because we finally suggested to ourselves that that's the way for whatever reason. In fact, you've probably felt like this next anecdote that I'm going to tell you, and that's you've, you've maybe heard a person or you were the person who said, you know, I told so-and-so that that's what they needed to do and they didn't until this other person told them that's what they needed to do and so finally they did. I don't know why they didn't listen to me. Again, it, it's not our job to convince people to do anything but to plant seeds. And so we share ideas with them that may or may not resonate. But again, it is the act of auto-suggestion that makes them decide in the end. And your seed may have taken root and that other person may have watered the seed. And then some seeds are just flat out rejected because they're either not the right seed or the timing wasn't right or, or what have you. So this emergent voice within us helps us to make better auto-suggestions for our lives without falling prey to fear and manipulation and coercion. So what can we do to encourage our emergent voice? Many people believe that nature is the perfect place to explore our emergent voice. It's the place where we, we see the beautiful earth and creation for what it is. We see the butterfly flitting from flower to flower. And it's not trying to be anything else but a butterfly. And we see the kitten exploring its world and tumbling and playing. And it's not trying to be anything other than a kitten. And the tree that grows tall and the bush that remains short are being exactly what they're supposed to be. Nature is something of a healing balm for us. And that too is often disregarded for the healing power that it has because there just seems to be so little time. The emergent voice can be brought out in creativity. Like I said, when I was little, it was music for me. That's what kept me somewhat connected, although not completely. Following a 17-year marriage, I went through a time of, I suppose you could call it grief. I was grieving for something that was never there. <laughs> I was grieving for what I wanted to be there and that just wasn't happening, something that I had been fighting for for a long time. And 
I was grieving for the the pain my children were in and I was I guess I was grieving for the person that I had lost along the way and during this time it was about a year's worth of time I wrote about 13 songs some of them were love songs some of them were sad songs but there were a couple that were very evident of my emergent voice and it seems that sometimes there are periods in our lives where we gain more inspiration and I don't know that I'd want to go through that again to be able to write but it was powerful and it was powerful to see my truth coming out I wrote songs like guilt trip rejected <laughs> call me crazy life above the line heart on my sleeve the naked truth and no apologies among others the lyrics are far more powerful than just the titles of the song and I won't um, share them with you at this point here but music was my place I was teaching myself to play the guitar and I'm, I'm not stage worthy but it was healing for me to do art became a way for me to continue healing um, within the years after that and little did I know that being creative was a way to use my emergent voice and actually to find my spiritual voice this inner discovery and I really believe that the emergent voice is is emerging from spirit something again that's highly lacking um, in our world especially our Western world the emergent voice can come out through meditation and prayer again that contemplation that time of stillness the time we so rarely give ourselves to just be with ourselves and our source to be with ourselves and our higher power there is body work that can help the emergent voice like yoga and Tai Chi energy work believe that Reiki is a powerful opening energetically to the emergent voice some people might choose to do dream work that's something that I've um, begun to do more seriously I had studied it a few years ago and come up with a a method that I call the dream catcher method for recording uh, dreams and starting to interpret them somewhat it's a simplistic model it's certainly by no means the deepest dream work model but it's something that I am working with and I have this idea that even the slightest fragments of our dreams are important to record because sometimes just writing them down and remembering them honors them like lighting a candle at an unknown grave but I got this idea that these fragments of dreams are actually like love letters that have gone through the wash so as you wake up and you <laughs> you pull these fragments out there you see tidbits of writing and you know it was a love letter our dreams are often love letters even the scariest ones in fact there's very large theory that if we face what is scary to us in our dreams it turns out to be something that is there to heal us and it shapeshifts and transforms before our eyes into something very magical and a lot less scary so here this love letter you're pulling out of the wash these fragments of your dreams I encourage you just as you would the love letter you would put it back in your jewelry box on top of your dresser I encourage you to do the same with the fragments of your dreams a couple of other ways that I have worked with personally with my emergent voice 
is oracle work and journaling. Now I have some opinions about using oracles that I'll share here. Um, I have a couple of decks of oracle cards and I have tarot cards and of course tarot cards have standard um, interpretation based on the, the number and the suit and the symbology that is um, upon each card and there's a wondrous amount of oracle cards and there are new ones every day and they all come with nice little booklets with their interpretations and they're absolutely beautiful interpretations um, in fact one of mine one of my favorites is the fairy oracle because the the art is beautiful but the writing and I can't remember her name her name is Jessa or Jessica it's the fairies oracle by Brian Froud I believe and I'm not sure if it's Jessa Macbeth or something like that but her writing is so whimsical and beautiful and so I'm I'm quite inspired by that but here's the challenge with the oracle cards you can read someone else's interpretation and it's still just a little bit of that waterfall you're getting this external input so unless you take it down into the spring and actually work with it and contemplate it maybe do some journaling around that particular card and interpretation for yourself it can sit on the surface like oil on water and I've often done that with our with my own Oracle decks by other people but what I did this last year was designed my own Oracle deck by painting semi-abstract imagery with alcohol inks by painting what I call intuitive imagery they are images without interpretation that allow you to dig beneath the surface for your own answers to find me meaning where it has been elusive to receive powerful messages from your own emergent voice to connect with your inner guide find healing and hope learn to trust your own wisdom uncover your own unique creative self-expression understand yourself and others better feel a sense of spiritual well-being and so much more for more information on the old soul oracle deck i encourage you to check out my website oldsoularchaeology.com they're powerful work i do offer readings where i guide you through your own interpretation process and then send you a reading back to you which is super powerful to be to be able to read back your own inner wisdom and higher self the last method I've been working with for the last two almost two and a half years called shamanic journeying and it's a beautiful thing that we've had teachers that have brought shamanic journeying to the modern world and they've done it in a way that honors uh, traditional indigenous people without using their ceremonies per se what they do is they take the essence of the journey itself which is an altered state of consciousness and what could be considered a semi-guided meditation or visualization into a lower world or a higher world where we can receive wisdom now the lower world being where we might consult with animal spirits or plant spirits or ancestors the higher world where we might find guidance from our angel beings or ascended masters guides spirit guides etc so they're of a little bit different nature 
and there's a middle journey, middle world journey as well, which is a little bit different and usually for a more advanced type of shamanic journey. But these have been incredibly powerful tools for me to discover my own emergent voice, for me to feel like I can record a podcast with all kinds of crazy information that I truly believe more people are thinking about than not. The more people I talk to, the more I realize that they're wanting to work with their dreams, that they're wondering if there's more to God than what they know from their preacher or their priest. There's more to their ability to connect with this higher power than they've ever thought before. There are more gifts and senses that they have, what I call the, the inner senses, which mirror the outer senses of sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. We have the inner, inner senses, which some consider, they might call them psychic, but they're simply senses that we all have but are dormant. So we might talk about emergent senses as well. In order to work with your emergent voice, it's really important that you approach it with a sense of honesty, self-honesty above all. And this is an honesty that sometimes means you just don't know the answer. It's an, it's an honesty that is willing to sit with a question and then with humility. And this is a humility that is simply an openness, an openness to learning, an openness to being guided by an inner wisdom, a higher self. It's not the humility that some of us think of as shame. It's a beautiful powerful sense of openness. So again, a little bit of honesty and humility go a long way in working with your emergent voice. So in closing, I'd just like to share a couple of questions that you might consider, that you might contemplate. Maybe you sit with them in meditation or you do a guided visualization around them or maybe you take them to your journal. These are some questions that can sometimes be paradoxical, especially the first one. The first one being, how do I honor myself and others? Unfortunately, in our society, we're often taught that it's better to give than receive, and so we're often trying to honor everyone but ourselves. But there is a way that we can honor ourselves without being selfish. This does become a big question. How do I honor myself and others? And sometimes honoring others doesn't mean that we self-sacrifice for their gain. Sometimes just the fact that we honor ourselves means that we honor them because we are showing them that this is another way to live. In fact, if I can just tell another little story, when I was divorcing, I knew that our marriage wasn't healthy. I had known that for a long time, in fact, for most of our marriage. And social conditioning would say, you're married for life. Till death do you part. And now I ask, till the death of what? Till the death of the marriage? Oh, good. We're clear for takeoff. Now, I don't mean to be flippant because it took me a long time to come to the point where I decided that what was healthy for my children was for me to honor myself 
it was healthy for me to leave a relationship that was not healthy, that was hurtful, and it was hurtful to them too. And so while there's the, this appearance that they were hurt, and, and very rightly so, they were hurt because they were led to believe that this was something that was never going to end, and that's because of the way people approach the subject of marriage and divorce. But I knew I had to honor myself in order to honor my children. I wanted my daughters to see a healthy mom with a healthy sense of self because especially for our daughters, we women need to have this healthy sense of self so that they too know that they have permission to do the same. Her next question is, how can I give birth to my deepest self? This one is a really big one. This one's a one that um, you might rack your brains over. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you're already there, and, and for that I applaud you. But I also applaud you if you're just beginning the journey because it's equally as admirable. How do I give birth to my deepest self? I think the first answer is to simply listen and be open. And I'll let you take that, that question deeper, as you will. Our next question is, what can I do to honor myself at the deepest levels to creatively and abundantly give my gifts? Now, being individuals that are part of this greater one, we each have an imprint that we make on this world. And the best imprint that we can make is the one that is truly ours. It's like it doesn't make sense to be someone else's cookie cutter when we have the, this most unique shape that will serve other people and that many people are bound to find helpful and beautiful. So how do we honor ourselves at the deepest levels to creatively and abundantly give our gifts? Well, first, the emergent voice is the one that can tell us what our gifts are if we spend time enough with it. One of my gifts is teaching. I think one of my gifts is this journey that started me to turn within However, slowly, at the age of 40, and now at the age of 48, I'm here sharing this podcast with you, episode number three, I'm learning that I have psychic gifts, and I'll probably be sharing more of those later on the podcast, but um, it's quite incredible to actually experience it and to be able to see for myself and to witness and not just wonder and to have very powerful, powerful confirmations of that. The last question I'll leave you with as we discuss the emergent voice is, if I only had six months to live, where would I go and what would I do? Most of us don't like to think of death. This another social condition that we live under is this avoidance of pain and death. It's all around us, but still we avoid it. We think we can escape it. We've got pills for that and we've got uh, avoidance techniques and there's our, our practically our whole consumer model including the medical model is built around that avoidance of death and pain but interestingly enough there are times when a terminal diagnosis can turn someone completely around a total 180 I had heard recently of a family member this happened to she has since passed within the last a week or two. She wasn't a very happy woman. She was a beautiful woman, very, very gregarious and vivacious, but inside I think she suffered a lot. 
and so she was often bitter. And I was told that after she got her terminal diagnosis, that she was able to see life. She was able to be alive for those last few months of her life. She was able to enjoy the people around her in so much greater degree than she had for her six or so some odd decades, probably closer to seven. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow, much less the next five minutes. So we could choose to live the answer to this question today, and we could live this que- the answer to this question for the next 30, 50, who knows how many some odd years, because the answer is more important than the timeline. Someday I'm going to die. So where do I want to go and what do I want to do? Personally, I want to live by using my emergent, authentic voice to live my truth and to share whatever that means with you so that you can do a little waterfall and underground spring synthesis of your own. Take what works for you and open your hand and release the rest. With much love, this has been Point of Departure with Michelle Janae in Old Soul Archaeology. Thank you for listening.